So tonight is the last night of our miraculous series, and we see one last miracle that Jesus performs. We talked about the reason for the miracles, and that was to increase the people's faith, to increase our faith by reading about the miracles that Jesus performed. And here we see one last time Jesus reaching out to his disciples, reaching out to the men that were closest to him. In particular, one man that was really close to him, and that is his closest disciple, Peter. In Scripture, if you read it, you see that Peter is really, he's kind of at the top of the list of the disciples. Uh, You know, we, we talk about, you know, how we're supposed to treat everyone the same or what have you. In reality, Jesus didn't do that. He actually was closer to Peter than anybody else. Uh, he was, Peter was in the top three. Uh, it was Peter, James, and John. And to be honest with you, Jesus was just closer to them than he was to the other disciples. And that's reality. That's the way it happened. And, and I don't know about you in your life, but there are probably some people you identify with, you connect with on a different level, and you're just closer to them than you are to other people. That's life, right? That's reality. That's the way that it is sometimes. And Jesus was focused on these guys, and he was really pouring into them. And they had an option to stay with him or walk away. He, he told them, he asked them several times, are you going to walk away too, just like everybody else? And Peter's the one that chimes up and goes, so where are we supposed to go? You are the Messiah. You are the, the son of the living God. I mean, where, where else are we to go? Peter's really close to Jesus. And We're going to read in John chapter 1 how Jesus challenges Peter with a simple question. One simple question. Do you love me? Do you love me? It's the same question Jesus is asking you right now where you sit in your seat. The same question that you'll be asked when you're standing in front of Jesus one day. Everybody's like, do what? Yes, one day, most likely for everybody in this room, sometime within the next 80 years, you will be standing face-to-face with Jesus Christ, and he will ask you, what is your relationship like with me? Do you love me? Do you truly love me? It's the same question he's asking you right now. I can't tell you over the years, as I've preached sermons on this particular passage, and I ask a simple question, do you love me? How many people have come to faith in Christ by that question, because there's a lot of people that realize that once they challenge themselves with that question, the reality is is that they don't love Jesus. The evidence in their life is that they really don't love Jesus. That's the question Jesus is asking you tonight: is Do you love me? I'm going to read about the miracle that Jesus performs. Read about what happens. I'll read from the screen a little bit. I'll read from my Bible a little bit. We're in John chapter 21, and Jesus is, he's died. He's come back from the grave. He's appeared to the disciples a couple times. We read about on Sunday how he appeared to Thomas and said, Look, it's okay. You can stick your hand in my wound. You can, you can feel and you can know that it is me. You, you, you don't have to doubt anymore. I know that you're a doubting person right now, but you don't have to doubt anymore. You can feel and you can touch and you can see that it is me. And we read that on Sunday. And here we see the disciples decide to go back fishing. You know who leads them back fishing? Peter. So Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, has has come back from the grave 
in his resurrected form and is talking to the disciples at different times. And Peter says, you know what we need to do, guys? We need to go back fishing. Now, before you condemn Peter for doing that, you and I both know that that would probably be us at some point in time. Like, you don't know what to do. You don't know exactly where to go, what to say, and all these kind of things. So you just go back to what you always know to do. Jesus is, is kind of not there right at the moment, so you're not really close. You're not really interacting with Jesus, so you just kind of go back to what you normally do. Get focused on what you've always known. In this case, it was his job. You ever known anybody that when they get a little bit far away from Jesus or they're not really talking to Jesus or getting close to Jesus that they go back to their job? You ever known anybody like that? I would guarantee you that every person in this room knows somebody like that. So we can get focused on our job because that's what we know. Don't confuse the matter by telling me I'm supposed to do something else. Let me just go back to what I know. I know how to do that. I feel really comfortable there. Don't challenge me with the uncomfortable stuff. Just, just give me what I know. Let me go back to where it's comfortable. Let me go fishing. And that's where Peter is. And he talks his disciples, his other, the other disciples into it too. John chapter 21, beginning of verse 1. Later, Jesus appeared again to the disciples beside the Sea of Galilee. John goes on to tell the story about how this happened. This is how it happened, is what he said. This is a guy writing a book. As skit guy says, he really should write a book. John is a very good speaker. He really should write a book. This is how it happened, is what John says. Several of the disciples were there. Simon Peter, Thomas nicknamed the twin, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee and the other two disciples, and two other disciples. Simon Peter said, I'm going fishing. I'm going back to what I know. I don't really know what to do right now, so I'm going to go back to what I know. So, hey, if you look in, in the listing of the disciples, Peter's always listed first. I said that he was closer to Jesus, and he really was. Any of the list of, of the disciples all start with Peter. So he's at the top of the food chain when it comes to the disciples. He just is. So they follow along. He says, we'll come too, they all said. So they went out in the boat, but they caught nothing all night. We've been here, we've done this, right? You remember some of the first miracles we talked about in Jesus? We talked about them fishing. They've been all, out all night, they didn't catch anything. What did Jesus say? Let's push out, let's go fish some more, right? These guys have been out all night. I, I can see something being set up here, right? I can see what's about to happen. They've been out all night, hadn't caught anything. At dawn, Jesus was standing on the beach. John gives it away here. I don't know why he does that, like... You gave away the secret, man. You gave away the ending of the story before we even found out who it was. He says, but the disciples couldn't see who, who he was. So they recognize later that it's Jesus. But John's saying right now they don't really know who it is. He calls out to them, fellas, have you caught any fish? Have you caught any fish? Does Jesus know if they've caught any fish or not? This is sarcastic Jesus a little bit. You know what I mean? Like he's going... Hey, guys, you make your living fishing, and you fish at night, and that's when you catch your fish, right? You know what Jesus is saying here? Same thing that he says to us every single day. I know where the fish are. I know exactly where the fish are. I know exactly where you're supposed to be fishing. Just like back when we started this whole endeavor and you started following me, as the Messiah, as the Son of God. Remember that? You remember who knew where the fish were at that point in time? I'm still the same guy. I'm still the same guy. No, they replied. This is just some guy out on the shore. They're like, no, we haven't caught any fish, man. What's up with that dude? You know, and like, 
Jesus, he's got an answer, though. Throw your net on the right-hand side of the boat, and you'll get some. Now, who is the only other person that's told them, now that, now that nighttime has gone, and now that the fish are normally not out there where they normally are, who is the only other person that's told them, you can catch some fish if you go here, and you, catch, and you put your net on this side of the boat? It's always been Jesus. It's always been Jesus. There must have been something in their mind to think that, I wonder if this guy is anything like that Jesus guy that we knew. I wonder, I imagine in their mind, their question, like, I wonder if this really is him. So they did, and they couldn't haul in the net because there were so many fish in it. Remember when Jesus told them, he said, cast your net on the other side, and they were like, the nets are breaking, and they're trying to haul in all the fish. They can't even haul them in. They, they, I mean, like, it's so many fish, they, they just overwhelmed by the number of fish. And then the disciple who loved Jesus said to Peter, who's the disciple that loved Jesus? It was John. John just, he, I don't know if he's gloating a little bit here or what, but he's, he doesn't call himself John. He didn't say John said to Peter. He said the disciple who loved Jesus said to Peter, John's the one writing. John's the one that's basically saying, I'm the one that said to Peter, it is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his tunic, for he had stripped it for work, jumped into the water, and headed to shore. The others stayed with the boat and pulled the loaded net to the shore, for they were only about 100 yards from the shore. When they got there, they found uh, break, breakfast waiting for them, fish cooking over a charcoal fire and some bread. Who's cooking? Jesus is cooking. Bring some of the fish you've just caught. I find it interesting that Jesus... Already had fish on the fire. Anybody else ever read that and be like, Jesus already had fish. They had to bring some more, or they did. I mean, Jesus just being nice to them. Like, why don't we cook some of the fish you brought? You know, me personally, I hate to be selfish, but I'm going to eat the Jesus fish. Whatever fish that Jesus had, like, he made the fish. I imagine he can cook a fish. You know what I mean? Like, like I want some of the Jesus fish. Never mind the fish we just caught. So, I mean, it just, it just strikes me there. So Jesus is like, I'm going to be nice to you. Bring some of the fish you caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and dragged the net to shore. There were 153 large fish, and yet the net hadn't torn. Now come and have some breakfast, Jesus said. None of the disciples dared to ask him, who you are? Who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Then Jesus served them bread and fish. This was the third time Jesus had appeared to his disciples since he had been risen from the dead. After breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter. This is where it kind of gets intense. Now remember where Simon Peter is. Simon Peter, he has confessed that Jesus Christ is Lord. He has told everybody that no matter what happens, Jesus, I'll never forsake you. I'll never leave you. I'll be right by your side. Even if everybody else leaves you and you're left all alone, if it's just me and you, it will be just me and you. I, I'll, I'll be there. Jesus tells him later on, he says, you know what? I've got to go to the cross. I've got to die. They're going to hand me over to the enemies and I've got to die and suffer at their hands. And Peter even goes so far as to rebuke Jesus like, it's not going to be so. First of all, I don't know who rebukes Jesus, but this guy thought it was, he was bold enough to. Well, Jesus kind of shut him down. He says, get behind me, Satan. So Peter's like, okay, that was a bad thing to say. 
right? And it's like, that's probably not the best thing to say. If Jesus calls me Satan, that's probably not good. So I'll go back on that. But he said, let it not be so, Jesus. I'm not going to let you go to the cross. I'm not going to let you die. This is not going to happen this way. And Jesus is like, it is the will of the Father that it go down like this. It is the will of the Father that it happen like this. And Jesus looks at Peter in the eye and goes, before the sun rises, before the rooster crows, you are going to deny me three times. When I am arrested, when I'm on trial in front of a, a false jury and a false judge and all of that, when I need you the most, you are going to claim that you never even knew who I was. Peter, he's devastated. There's no way that's going to happen. Not with me. I'm going to be the one that goes to the end of me for you, so that's not going to happen, Jesus. And Jesus is like, this is the way it's going to go down, Peter. You're going to deny me before the rooster crows. Three times you're going to deny me. What happens? Just like Jesus always does, Jesus knows. Jesus knows. This bold and brash Peter crumbles, falls, and sure enough, when they say, are you the guy? Are you the man that followed around Jesus? Are you one of those disciple guys that were with Jesus? I recognize your accent. You sound like those guys that used to follow around Jesus. Is that you? You sound like one of those Galileans. You know, they have that, that country bumpkin accent. You sound like one of them. Are you sure you're not one of them? And three different times, Simon Peter says, no, I, 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 don't, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know who they are. I don't know who this Jesus guy is. And Jesus goes to the cross. And Jesus dies exactly like he told Simon Peter that he would. Jesus is brutally beaten. He's crucified. He dies and gets put into a tomb. And then he's risen. We talked about that on Sunday. The resurrection of Jesus being the greatest miracle Jesus performed. It, it, it gave us hope. It gave us the, the possibility for eternity. It gave us the possibility for being turned around. It gave Simon Peter the possibility for being turned around. It gave Thomas the possibility for his doubt to be overcome. It gave you the opportunity to love Jesus and love His resurrection and love His promise and love Him for all of eternity. But the question is, the question for you is, do you take advantage of the opportunity that Jesus has given you? The question for you tonight is, do I really love Jesus? Is it evident in my life that because I give up everything sacrificially for Him that I really do love Jesus? There's a lot of people that say they love Jesus. If you ask anybody out on the street out there, they will tell you, I love Jesus. If you walk up to somebody in your school, I don't care who they are. Most people in, in, in this southern, southern world that we live in down here, southeastern United States, are going to say, yes, I love Jesus. Yes, I do. Jesus gives Peter an invitation. I told you before... And I'll tell you again, the reason Jesus asks questions is not because he doesn't know. The, question, the reason Jesus asks questions is because it's an invitation. 
It is always an invitation when God asks a question because God knows. He already knows the answer. He already knows your heart. He already knows everything. So he definitely knows the answer to all of his questions. And Jesus gives an invitation to Peter right here. And he asks him a simple question. Simon, son of John. Simon Barjona. Do you love me more than these? Some people say... Do you love me? Is he saying, do you love me more than these fish, these people, that, the, these, these fish that you've been, you've been fishing for all night and now you've caught some? And do you love me more than your job? I think that would diminish probably what Jesus is saying. Some people say, well, he's talking about the disciples. Do you love me more than any of the other disciples? Do you, do you love me more than the rest of them like you claim that you do? If everybody else forsakes you, I'll still be here. Whatever the case, Jesus is asking Peter, if he's got supreme love for him. Yes, Lord, Peter replied, you know I love you. There's a reason why Jesus asked this question three times. Then feed my lambs, Jesus told him. Jesus repeated the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said, you know I love you. Then take care of my sheep, Jesus said. A third time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He gives him an invitation three times. Peter was hurt that Jesus asked the question a third time. He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Now there's something that gets lost in translation here. A little something I have to tell you about, and uh, it comes from the original Greek. Jesus challenges Peter with his words. Jesus says, do you agapeo me? Which means you have supreme love for me. Do you have the most supreme love for me? Do you love me above everything else? And Peter's not willing to commit to that. He says, I phileo you. Which means I really do like you a lot. Jesus, you know I really like you a lot. So Jesus is asking him, do you have supreme love for me? He's not responding with the same kind of love. So Jesus asked him a second time, do you have supreme love for me? Peter's still not willing to go there. He's still not willing to take it to the next level. And in the Greek, there's many words for love. And this is the supreme kind of love. And, and Peter's just not willing to go there. He's He's basically telling Jesus, I like you a whole lot. I like you a whole lot. And then Jesus, the reason it hurts Peter so bad is because the third time he asked him, he says, Peter, do you even like me a whole lot? So Jesus brings it down to Peter's level. And he asks him the question, why does Jesus do this? Why does Jesus do this? Because he is trying to grow Peter's faith. He is trying to get him there. He's like, come on, man. I've just performed another miracle in front of you and told you where the fish are. Don't you remember who I am? Don't you remember what I did for you? Don't you remember all the things that you said but didn't come through on? He says, I want you to have that supreme kind of love for me. I want you to be up here, man, but you're still down here. 
I want you to take it to the next level. I want you to be up here. And when Jesus brings it down here, Peter confesses, I'm really up here. I think there's something going on here. I think because Jesus already knows his heart. Jesus already knows what's going on in the heart of Peter. He knows how much Peter loves him, right? He, he can see straight to his heart. I believe what Jesus is trying to get Peter to do is trying to step up. He's trying to get his words to match his heart. I believe he's trying to get him to confess with his mouth what he believes in his heart. Have you ever heard that anywhere? He believes he's trying to get him to say, man, come on. If you've got that kind of faith, let me see it come out by your actions. I believe it. if you really have this in your heart, you can manifest that by what you say and what you do. The problem with most Christians today is that their actions don't match their heart. Their words don't match their heart. They say they're close to Jesus, but they're really far from him. They say that they're, they're, they're close to, to the Lord and Savior of the world, but they're really in their heart. They're not. The heart doesn't match the words. It doesn't match the actions. And here Jesus is saying, I believe that Peter's kind of on the opposite end of the spectrum. I believe that he loves him so much with his heart. His words aren't necessarily matching up with what his heart is saying. This is the tragedy of most people that call themselves Christians. You know why? Because they don't love Jesus sacrificially. They don't love him supremely. They don't love Jesus above all else. You know how you can know this about yourself? I'll give you a quick test. Think about when it comes to raising your hands in worship. I'm not knocking anybody that doesn't raise their hands in worship. I'm not doing that. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying if you don't raise your hands in worship, you don't love Jesus. Understand me on that. That's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is what's going on in your heart and in your mind when you don't raise your hands. If there is something in you that says, boy, I really would like to raise my hands right now, and I really would like to worship Jesus and surrender all and live sacrificially for Jesus, even in something as simple and as small as raising my hands in worship, but you don't do it because somebody else sitting beside you or behind you might see you, then your words and your actions are not matching your heart. You see? You see, if it doesn't line up, then that means that Jesus is not supreme in your life. Jesus is not what matters above all else. You're too worried about everything else instead of worrying about him, so that keeps you from doing stuff. Jesus is saying, do you love me supremely above everything else, above every other person, every other possession? Do you love me above everything? And the reality is, the reality is that that's not true. That's not true in a lot of people's lives. That's not true in a lot of people's lives. Even people that say that he, they do doesn't exactly line up. So Jesus, he challenges Peter, right, to step up his words, to step up his actions. 
Because not only does he challenge him to, to say it, but he also challenges him to do it. He says, feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. Now think about Jesus and what he's saying here. Jesus said that when he looked out at the crowds, they looked like sheep without a shepherd, and he was moved, he was stirred in his heart and in his stomach because he was able to see how they were not being led. And Jesus is challenging Peter, you got to take up the reins, you got to do what I was doing when I was here, you got to be their shepherd now. you got to go and do something more. Before you rested on me to do it all, now it's your turn. Now it's your turn to take it to the next level and step up your game. That's the same thing Jesus is saying to so many hearts right now in this room. It is time for you to step up your game. It is time for your actions to match your heart. It is time for you to take it to the next level in your faith. It is time. What are you waiting on? Why, why are you sitting in the chairs and Kenny's up here? Why are you not going out and do the same thing that Jesus did when he was on this earth? And that is go and tell people, go and bring them into the kingdom. Go and do something because you love Jesus. Why? Why, why, do, we, why do we have so many people saying, well, there's somebody that needs a gospel shared. Why well, sure do you wish Kenny was here. I sure do wish we had a, a godly person here to lead them to Christ. I wish we had a godly person here that, that would step up and share the gospel with this person. Why is that not you? Why is that not you? If Jesus is supreme in your life, if Jesus is number one, you won't care what they think. You won't care about rejection. You won't care about the other people around them. I hear you talking about Jesus. Jesus says, feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. You may say, well, he was talking to the head of the disciples. No, I don't believe that. I believe he was talking to anybody that follows after Jesus. Feed my sheep. He wasn't just talking to Kenny Nix or Peter or John or James or Nathaniel Bartholomew. He's talking to every single person that desires to follow after Jesus. That includes people that come to Simple Church on a Wednesday night. Every single person. He says, it's time. The time is now. He gave him three chances to answer and respond to this question because Peter had denied him three times. Peter had said, I don't know Jesus three different times. So Peter gets the chance to redeem himself by telling Jesus face to face, I love you three different times. The third time he was kind of hurt because Jesus had lowered the level. I believe he, he did that so Peter would step up and say, yes, I do love you. Verse 18 says this. He says, I tell you the truth. When you were young, you were able to do as you liked. You dressed yourselves and went wherever you wanted to go. But when you were old, you will stretch out your hands and others will dress you and take you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to let him know what kind of death he would Glorify God. And then Jesus told him, follow me. It's the last verse we're going to cover. It's the, the conclusion here. So Peter has denied Jesus. If he had followed Jesus 
when, when Jesus was going to the cross, it's likely that Peter would have went to the cross with him. He would have been beside him when Jesus was beaten. He would have been beside him uh, when, when he was put up on the cross. He probably would have been uh, crucified right there alongside of Jesus. But he didn't. He denied that he ever knew Jesus to save his own skin. Well, Jesus is telling him here, when you were young, you used to be able to do what you wanted to. You'd go where you wanted to, and, and that was good. He said, but when you get old, there's going to be a time later in your life where they are going to strip you naked like they stripped me naked, and they are going to beat you, and they are going to lead you to a cross just like they led me to a cross. You are going to a place where you don't want to go. He says, and you will stretch out your hands, and that's how you're going to glorify God. You're going to get a chance at redemption, and it's going to cost you everything. You're going to get a chance to confess me as Lord before men, and it is going to cost you your life. And then Jesus says one other thing. Two words written in red in your Bible right now. It says, and he said to Peter, follow me. Peter had a choice right then, right there, as to whether or not he would say, I'm down with following Jesus and dying for him or I'm going to turn around and go the other way and I'm walking away right now because it's going to cost me too much. The reality is in a lot of people's life, they're faced with this decision. Maybe it's through a sermon like this or maybe it's through the Holy Spirit of God working in their lives and and really convicting them of this situation. But they have a choice in their life, follow Jesus or turn away from him. Go where Jesus is going and follow him, even if it costs you everything and costs you your life and your job and your family and your children. It costs you everything or turn the other way and walk away because it's just too hard. And a lot of people, a lot of people, a wide road, a broad road of people choose to turn the other way and say, it's just too hard. I'm not willing to go that far. I'm sorry, Jesus. It's just not for me. Verse 20 says this. It's not on the screen. It says, and Peter turned around, and he went where Jesus went. He said, Jesus, you're worth everything. You're worth everything to me, and I have faith in you and who you say that you are, and I'm going to follow you even if it means I have to die, and I mean it this time, and we know that he meant it that time because Peter went on to be crucified, a more vicious death than what Jesus did because Peter said, I'm not worthy to be crucified like my Lord. I need you to crucify me upside down, which means all the blood rushes to his head, and it's a more painful, more devastating kind of death to endure. Peter said, I don't, I'm not worthy to be crucified like Jesus, so crucify me upside down because when people remember somebody crucified, I want them to remember Jesus and not me. He got a chance. He got his chance at redemption. He got his chance to make his actions meet what was in his heart, make his words match what was in his heart. He said, crucify me, but crucify me upside down. What about you in your life? Is Jesus supreme in your life, or is he just somewhere in the mix? Is he number one? Is he everything, or is he just somewhere along the lines? So, in the whole spectrum of things, he's somewhere in there. There's a whole I am second. I saw an I am second bumper sticker this morning. I wonder, 
I wonder if Jesus really is number one in somebody's life. Is he really supreme? Do you love him supremely above everything else? Are you willing to follow him no matter what it costs you? If that's not you, if you want to surrender your heart and life to Jesus Christ and you say, I thought I had one time, but really he was not supreme in my life and I didn't have the total surrender in my life, I invite you to come and pray and ask Jesus Christ to save you. Ask him to give you the strength and the courage to make him number one in your life. But you've got to give him everything. You've got you to sacrifice it all. You've got to say, no more me, it's all you. It is not I who live, but Christ who lives in me. You've got to say that to him, and you've got to confess it to him. If you do that, if you do that, that's the only way you can come to that level of faith. That's the only way that you can ever get there. Is by saying, enough of me. It's all about you. Let me pray. Father, thank you, God, for the words of Jesus that challenge us with just the simple words, do you love me? God, they are simple words, but they are not easy words. God, I know that there are some people in here that they may have made a commitment to follow Christ. They may think that they have truly made that commitment, but in reality, when they examine themselves against Scripture, they see that they have not. God, if they look at themselves in the face of Scripture in Luke 6, 46, how it says, Why do you keep calling me Lord when you don't do what I tell you to do? Maybe when they see that, God, it challenges them and lets them know that they're not a Christian. They're not a follower of Christ, God, but they want to be. God, if that's somebody in here, God, I pray that you break their heart. God, bring them to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ through brokenness. God, whatever you have to do, maybe there's somebody in here and they, they've gotten away from their relationship with Christ and, Lord, they just want to be close to him again. God, whatever you would do in people's lives, God, I pray that they would love you supremely. God, if they don't now, I pray that they would before they leave this place. God, do whatever you have to do. Do whatever surgery you have to do, God, to bring us closer to you. Father, we love you. God, we thank you for these powerful words. God, be honored by our response now. In Jesus' name, amen. Everybody, please stand.
give you a chance of redemption we're going to sing the song I'll stand and maybe you've never raised your hands in worship and you really want to this will be your chance um, we're just going to have a time we praise Jesus if, if you felt the Holy Spirit of God telling you to come to the altar but you didn't I pray that you do
No. Oh. 